Welcome back to the Devin Kershaw Show. I'm Nat Hers with Faster Skier. This week, we break down the first World Cup races of the season, and we've got a special guest, Sadie Bjornsson, a retired American World Cup skier who joins us to talk about a pretty exciting weekend of racing. So we'll get straight to it, and uh, we'll start with a quick message from our sponsor. This episode of the Devin Kershaw Show is brought to you by Mount Bachelor Nordic Center. Located outside beautiful Bend, Oregon, the Mount Bachelor Nordic Center has 56 kilometers of daily groomed Nordic trails. With a season that typically runs late November until the end of May, Mount Bachelor has one of the longest Nordic seasons in North America. The Nordic Center hosts a full rental fleet, various instructional classes for all ages and abilities, an on-site retail store, and the cozy Nordic cafe. So be sure to check out this winter wonderland this season. To learn more about tickets, passes, and resort amenities, go to mtbachelor.com. First of all, how freaking awesome is it to see Sadie again? Awesome <laughs> to see you. I'm pumped. I'm super pumped. Thanks a lot for making the time to come on this. Uh, well, it is a podcast, but it's like I wanted to do this, but you, <laughs> this discussion. Um, no, but we're really thrilled that we can break down the Ruka races. You were a Ruka, you were the queen of Ruka. So wait, and I wanna, awesome. I'm going to do an, a, like an actual, like, uh, you know, cause, yeah. cause this is a podcast and we are okay. you know, operated by a legitimate business, fasterskier.com. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to intro formally introduce, we have, yeah. um, Anchorage's finest Sadie Bjornsson, um, a world, uh, world championship medalist, many time, uh, world cup podium winner and i'm sure i'm missing a lot of things now turned uh certified public accountant uh if you're looking for someone to help with you know your business public or tax professional um, <laughs> there we go and uh anything else you would want to um include as part of your bio sadie um well no that pretty much sums it up except for i'm going sadie mobay here uh in december oh, Sadie, okay, Bjornsson, last name Mobay. Um, long time waiting. We've been married for two years. You know, it's just the transition. I'm slow to change. <laughs> yeah. How's your French, Sades? Um, It's great. <laughs> yeah, perfect. That's all. That's great. That's uh... <laughs> it's perfect. It's mixing well with my, uh, with my tax code. You know, they just kind yeah. of, I speak in French while I'm rolling out corporate taxes <laughs> exactly it's all french it, it, it's, at this point it, at this point it's all portuguese whatever <laughs> this edition of le devin kershaw show will be yeah. en français um oui on peut parler français si tu veux no jerry oh, stop that <laughs> okay we can stop that all right stop that but lots to unpack it, this was this was uh you know i'm a dork everyone knows that sadie You've known that for many, far too long, but it's always fun when the World Cup starts. Yeah, you know, and especially in a championship year, Olympic season, there's a lot of excitement before the World Cup. And like, let's be honest, last year's World Cup was it was some great competition stuff, but it was weird with the COVID pandemic. And you know what? We're no better this year. It just seems like people are just more used to it, but because um, all the same regulations are in place. But I don't know. For some reason, this year I was like, I was pretty fired up to see how people were going to come out of the gates in the world cup. And I, I have to say, there's a lot of storylines so we're going to have to try and like get right into it. We can try and do it chronologically. Um, we can just start right away with like the women's sprint. Like here's my big takeaways. Jesse Diggins is classic technique progression. 
is something to behold. Like if you would have seen, and Jesse, you know, I love you, but if you would have seen Jesse Diggins classic ski six years ago, that double pole, the diagonal, like it was, it she was fit. She was incredibly fit, but the technical prowess in classic wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't Justina Kowalczyk bad, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't the most prettiest thing you've ever seen in that classic sprint qualifier. And, you know, some, maybe some tactical decisions we can get into in the, in the heats and stuff, but she, she was skiing classic this year. And I, I said this a lot last year too, that her classic thing had come a long way, but this year, especially that was, that was amazing. Yeah. I always think of Ruka as a, as a test of, um, a different type of classic scheme because the hills are so much steeper than everything else. And it's a unique technique to like kind of sink down and get up that hill, sink down into ski. And so, uh, my takeaway with Jesse was like, that was obviously a step to win a qualifier there is, is a significant step. So, um, whether that's fitness or, or technique or whatever it is, I would say that that was something to walk home with confidence from. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, and then of course, like not to leave out Rosie Brennan, anyone that had any doubts how Rosie was going to come into the season after her absolute, like she broke down the barn doors last year and lit them on fire and said, yippee And if you thought that was a one, like a flash in the pan, that was not, she was eighth in the qualifier. She was looking good too. She had a great weekend. We're going to come back to Rosie, of course, but, but I thought it was a good, it was a great start for the, for the American women. Absolutely. And, um, has, is Rosie like, I mean, my recollection is like, I, I don't even really know if she was like a sprinter until like a couple of years ago. Is that like a, a reasonable observation, Sadie? Yeah, you know, one of my earliest memories of Rosie is actually when she took me at the line in a classic sprint at Houghton when I was about probably 14 years old and she was 15. So yes, back in the day, she was a sprinter. Um, I I think she's always had good sprinting, but you know how it is with the World Cup. It's like until you figure out how to qualify, you can't even show that you're a good sprinter. And so I, I would say in the last couple of years, she figured out how to qualify and that kind of opened, opened up the opportunity. But then if you don't ever practice skiing and just a mishmash of people, then you also, that's also a step you have to like, first you qualify, then you learn how to like have your space taken away from you. And then you progress to actually being a good sprint racer. So I feel like she's made that, that trajectory in the last couple of years. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I, by you, you mean you've trained with her through thick and thin. I mean, both living in Anchorage and and you've seen it all, but, um, just from the outsider, like, I feel like as a Canadian, I, I'm the, from the outside, but also kind of like, kind of, bes- now nah, I'm on the outside, but very close to the inside as Canada is, as Canada is, as Canada is with the U S anyway, we share a border. It's, it's, yeah. uh, that's how it is, but it's, um, no, it's been fun to follow along. Really, really fun. And I think, I think as the sprints progressed where the major takeaways, I'm going to, I'm going to say it, I know it might not be the most popular, Here's the deal. When you qualify first, you never, ever, ever pick the fifth heat ever. <laughs> so all the kids out there, when you qualify first in the sprint, you never choose less recovery. And it's a lot. It's substantial. If you actually, you know, you're, you're in taking accounting and stuff, Sadie, like if you really want to get stats dorked out, the amount of people that make the podium by picking fifth heats is barely any. Gonna, and there's a reason for that. I'm, I'm going to butt in here just to make sure that everyone understands what you're talking about. Like the heats okay. are ordered, right? So quarterfinal yes. heat number one, two, three, four, five. If you pick yes. quarterfinal heat number five, you've got 20 some odd or maybe 30 some odd fewer minutes 
than the first people who are in the first yes. heat to recover before you have to race again in the semis. And that sucks. In the semi. Exactly. Thanks. No, I, I, I'm, yeah, absolutely. So that, that's, that's the reality. And if you followed, like, so in this change, like back in the days, like you just, you, the heats you got were just based on what you qualified. So back in the days, if you qualified first, you'd be in the first heat. That, that's just how it went. But uh, now you can pick them. And when you qualify first, you obviously have a pretty good pick for heats. Like it's easy oh. to pick essentially whatever heat you want. You're not the first it, pick. Exactly. Like, You're number 12, which kind of yeah. twists things. Yeah. But still, you, you have a chance to pick heat one or two. Mm -hmm. like pretty much all the time if you qualify first you're going to be able to pick heat one but if for magical reason you can't you can you can at least pick heat two and it just at, when this came in there's just enough stats now to know and I'm, i know the stats are so skewed because claybo always qualifies first he didn't this year but <laughs> this time but but he always qualifies first and always picks the first heat but the fact of the matter is first heat you have more time to recover for the semifinals, but you also have a better chance of lucky losers that's just seems to be how it is it's, again that's just the statistics and when i saw jesse going to the fifth heat i was like <laughs> yeah I, I i i don't know why she did that to be perfectly honest and you know sprinting sprinting and you know sadie especially that course you know i've been in that sprint too plenty of times and like it's tight you make a little mistake coming into that final hill you, you get like a little bit of your momentum taken away and it's really hard to come back from that and we saw in her fifth heat Frida Carlson, she was in the same heat as Frida Carlson and mm -hmm. Frida wasn't on the podium, but she ended up sixth in the final. And for Frida, that was a huge step for a young, for the young Swede mm -hmm. who is a more distance oriented. So really sad to see that, but again, who cares in the long scheme of things, it was a huge success for Jesse. She was skiing well, her double pollings never looked better. Um, like you said, Sadie, she looked great up the hill, but I, I, I was, it was a questionable move to come in heat five and I hope she doesn't repeat that further on this season <laughs> well I think it's, it's funny because there's so there's so many like mental games to it too it's like I used to always I particularly struggled because I felt like even was always important so if I saw one heat that had five and one that had one I went to the one because I'm like wait why is this getting all uneven let me fix it up <laughs> um but then maybe you just have like some people that are just horrible to ski with and you don't want to be there and or then there's always the struggle of you don't want to ski with your teammates because you you tend to be too nice to your teammates. So there's like so many elements to go into it, or maybe like on a course like that, you can recover decently well because it's like two, two hard efforts and a lot of rest in between. So, I mean, there, there's something to, I, I like love a, a black horse who can pull it out on heat number five. Oh yeah. That would have been badass if that happened. <laughs> yeah. Of but, course. Uh, I and like it almost did. It almost did. Like we almost saw, I mean, like, Frida Carlson is looking great all day. So she was almost that dark horse, but she made a tactical error in the final. Yeah. But so that was... And worth pointing out that it's not like Jesse won the quarterfinal and got bounced in the semis. She just got bounced in the quarterfinal, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, and as, as did Rosie, but but you know what? Like like uh, Sadie said, Ruka is a weird one because like you look at the time and you say like, okay, the women sprints three minutes, like which is kind of like not long, but it's pretty standard for a women's sprint. But then when you actually race it or you see it, it's like you're sitting in a tuck for a lot of that three minutes. Yeah. And it's you don't have you don't have a lot of time to make mistakes tactically, you know, because you just don't have the real estate to, to recover from those from any tactical mistake. Yeah. Well, before we go any further, I have to also point out like Julia Kern. I felt like I've never seen her 
look so strong like her double pull I mean she double pulled away from the group and I can't remember who was in her heat I was um it, it may have even been uh uh Dolquist that totally yeah oh yeah so there were some big names there and she completely skied away from them just like on that final climb um just barely missed it but like I was really impressed with that that was one of the mo- that was like one of my takeaways from that from that event, like, holy cow, look out. She is, she's in a new place this year. <laughs> yeah. And that I'm glad you mentioned that because that, that was on my list of things to say too. like Julia, for those that follow American skiing, they listen to this. So that's like my mom and I don't know, maybe you're on the pod. So maybe you're a mom now, <laughs> no, but, but uh, maybe Bjorn, maybe your brother, that'd be fun. Um, maybe he'd listen to it. No, but I'm just kidding. But Julia had a really rough season last year after a fantastic season two years ago. And it was, it's, it's always hard to watch people, you know, and you say you're good friends with her and you train with her a ton and stuff. It's, it's really hard to see people, you know, and care about like, not just struggle the odd weekend, but like put together like a struggle bus season yeah. and she's better in skating traditionally. Yeah. And like you said, technically totally different place, but also like, yeah, <laughs> there's nothing you, you can't look at an 18th place in a sprint in Ruka and say like, Oh, that was a bummer. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a great, it's a great start to the season, no matter what yeah. and how she did it. Amazing stuff. So it's super fun to see Julia back. I mean, the, I mean, your, your team has always been so exciting to watch the last decade, but um, it's, it's continuing, which was great. And right off the gun, right off the first time, which was, which was awesome. Yeah. And we can go right into it. Dahlquist was a champ. <laughs> that was that was a race and Hogstrom, who is so good last year coming out of like the young swede last year you know she's she's 23 years old now and or like yeah not not and oh she's 23 years old right now and she had a real breakthrough season last year but the way those two swedes were skiing i was it was a thing of beauty they were i mean the whole swedish team is just so amazing as we've been talking about for years and years and years and but dahlquist was like it that's textbook i mean she was that was she was not gonna lose that race and and you could see it almost all day long she was skiing so well yeah and sweden also has you know both sundling and spawn out right now like it's kind of crazy where where's sundling i've missed that crashed in one of the in galavar so yeah so the swedish opener sadie we're in galavar this year instead of brooks Larna. Yeah. And she crashed in one, she crashed in her semifinal, I think. And she just like, she thought she broke her arm. Actually, people thought that she, she like broke something and turns out it's not a break, but it's, it's bad enough that it's touch and go. She may be back for Dresden. They're thinking, but she's absolutely not going to be back before Dresden. So like, it's like, she's not in Lillehammer this weekend and it's not looking good for Devos. And so it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah. So that, that was, that's crazy. And then Lynn Spawn for people that just want to know, she had shoulder injuries last year that she'd been battling with for a long time. And then, and then it looked good in the summer. She was training well. It was like, things were good. She was even doing some roller ski races and stuff and like talking with some people. It's like, no, Lynn, Lynn Spawn's looking good. looks like things are going to go. And then it took it, took a went in a bad direction in the fall. All of a sudden it's like, no, we have to fix this for real and back into surgery. And then the whole season is out and she's going to rehab it and try and build it back again. So that, that was really disappointing because it was looking really promising in like June, July, it actually looked like, okay, this is going to be totally good. And, 
by September, October, it was game over and the season is over. So you will not see Linz Vaughn back in the year this year, but you will see Sindling back hopefully by the resident. So, so Olympic, I mean, I guess Olympics, you can only get a quota of four, but, uh, you know, World Cup, we might not see a, a final women's sprint final of six Swedes, but maybe three or four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Looks like that anyways, after this. And then Frida Carlson, like I said, I mean, she was, I was, I worked at the World Juniors a couple of years ago when they were in Lockheed, Finland, and she was in the final there too. So she's not like she can't sprint, but um, on the World Cup, she hasn't shown, she hasn't shown wheels like she showed uh, in the sprint. I, I had a little time, uh, Friday was the one day I had time when I was not um, just, you know, shredding all the powder here to uh, read the, uh, read some of the <laughs> Scando press and I, it seemed like Norway was a little anxious about, um, you know, not, you know, they had um, Mike in on the podium in the sprint, but beyond that, it's like pretty thin for their women's sprint depth. Which is, it's, it's, a, it's a crisis. And it seems like it's been like that for a couple of years now. Like Mike seems to be the holding down fort in the, in the, in the finals, but did you guys notice that this final was entirely Scandinavian, which we like to avoid that, but unfortunately that did happen this time of which one was like a finished year or two were finished years, but one of which, um, where did she come from? <laughs> yeah, it's so fun. I think it's so fun. Especially she's born in 94. I've never heard her name before. I think it's awesome. Well, I, uh, she did well at world at world championships last year in the classic sprint. Um, so she's been around, but uh, touch and go. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah, no, that is exciting. And then like we will cut back to this for sure as we try and move through this. But I mean, like the women women's racing. I said this all last year too. And I, I mean, after this first weekend of racing, I stand by my statements of last year. Like it's so much more exciting to watch. It's it's more open. There's more nations competing. Yeah. Uh, it's tighter. It's, it's just like a better competition. So it's, it, but like you said, super fun to see, even though it's all those crosses we've Lord knows we've seen enough of those crosses in our, in our day, but um, they put on a good show. And yeah, I, like the Norwegian sprint situation for women is a, this is a, this is a crisis situation. They thought they could solve it by having Olivia and Hadestad come into the, the, the sprint team, or sorry, the women's team as the assistant coach. He's the Olympic champion from Sochi and world champion and won the overall sprint or the sprint globe multiple times. Like he's a total boss. And, um, you know, it just, at least week one, let's just wait and see. We have a, we have a world cup and there's some, there's some names that aren't there that weren't there in Ruka that I think like she looks like, uh, who is so good in, um, that's in Norwegian. She was so good in, in Seyfeld to make the semifinals and she had a really off year, but it looks like she's back in her sprint forms back in the Lillehammer course next week is going to be flat. So, but regardless, not the depth, they don't have the depth. It's, it's weird. Is there a diagnosis of that at all in the, you know, Norwegian ski world? There's a lot of criticism as you can imagine. And like a lot of like, why is this hot? We have to fix this. We, we, we dominate everything. Like what's going on. But um, yeah, yeah, this is, a, this is crazy. No, there is a, definitely a lot of talk about it, but I think the reality is they just don't have, they don't have the horses right now. They don't have the athletes to, that have those capabilities at, at present. And when you had Ingvald Flugstad Osberg, who's also back that we can say, um, they will come back to you, but she, you know, she was second in Sochi in the sprint and then she pivoted and like went full on to distance, put all, everything into distance. So her sprint went to nothing. Like she's, she's not a good sprinter anymore. And Mike was like you said, Sadie, she was the only one to hold down the fort and 
And um, there's just been no one that's come up behind her to make that decision like Mikan has, which is kind of weird when you think about how prophilic Mikan has been in her career. Like well, she's doing it, it's weird. And she's been amazing. Like I think of Mikan as legendary because I've oh, yeah. forever. But I think in Norway, she's not as legendary because it's all, you know, it seems like the Norwegians are most proud of distance ski racing. They don't think as much of sprinting. Um, that's just the word that I understand, but I, I think of Mike as a total boss, like sprinting to be consistently good. It's the same reason I think Sophie Caldwell is a total boss. Like to be consistent in sprinting is a level that is to me beyond being consistent in distance racing, because there's so much that can go wrong. And like so many times you can get blocked or whatever it is. So, um, I don't know. I think Mike is She's holding down fort pretty well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're gonna hold down the fort, you want to have Mike and being the one holding those walls of the fort together because it's uh, she's doing a great job. And who else did a great job? JC, you guys got to talk. You, you guys are homers, so come on. That was amazing. Let's let's move on to the men's sprint because that was we're gonna just start with that right away. I mean, Tarantia beating Claybo in a classic sprint qualifier—that's also crazy. But in the qualifier, the the story for the fans, number five, born in the year two thousand. J.C. Schumacher, James Clinton, man, yeah. he's a legend. I, I'm a huge J.C. fan. I, I was watching him last year ski race, and I, all I could think was, man, this guy's too kind for sprint racing because he'd always take like kind of the long way oh, yeah. around, and he was just so sweet and kind, and he really, that's how he is in person, just super kind. Um, and so I was so proud to see him just like get comfortably pinched and sometimes pinch others, and like just um his stride up that final cl- climb was just legendary everyone else is running and he's just sinking down in his feet like s- still striding the whole way up and I was I was just so impressed with him and um I can't wait to see him I feel like he he crossed a level that he gave him confidence himself confidence to play and now he's like okay I'm here like I'm I'm one of these guys and you know, as you guys know, it, it just takes a bit of time to to get to that place. And I feel like he did cross that line. I mean, just like yeah, throwing. I mean, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, you know, as the relatively uninformed and untalented person here, just observe like throwing down a like coming fresh off the plane from Alaska where, you know, you're not. I, I mean, he, you know, so he was training. We actually we went for a little walk before he took off and. He, he actually, he said he spent um, the summer in Tahoe training uh, with a couple of his Norwegian teammates uh, from UAA, but like still, you know, it's not like he's mixing it up with like the whole Norwegian sprint team. And it's like, you know, just to come in and throw down in the qualifier, like um, fifth place like that, and just be like right there in the heats, like from the get go at 21 years old. And then, I mean, we haven't even talked about Ben Ogden, but yeah, just like, it's awesome. And you know, these guys are like 2021, like, you know, we're going to get 10, 10 plus years of this, like to watch yeah. potentially that's it's fun. Yeah. It's so fun. And, and that you mentioned like Benny, like Ben Ogden, who is, man, if you want, if, if anyone just wants to know what like Northeast, like what the Northeast new England, like, what the kingdom is like yeah what the kingdom yeah yeah exactly but if you really want to know what their vibe like what what they're trying to portray <laughs> what their vibe is that they're trying to portray like especially like blue collar skier like when i think of ben ogden everything about ben ogden is like the blue collar skier <laughs> he looks scrappy he skis scrappy 
like he's fit. He just like muscles his way through it. It's just like, you're not, it's, this isn't Claybo out there. Like you're not, you're not analyzing videos of Ben Ogden's classic technique, <laughs> but you are inspired by the hard work he's putting into it and by the grit he's throwing down into this. And, and I, I talked about this a ton last year, but I mean, Luke, yeah, you're in 17, another Alaska, AK kid who I'm like a huge fan of like this next generation of American men, which has been sorely lacking. They work together. They have fun together on the road, which is something that it's been a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and they bring this American swagger into these races. And you saw that in the qualifier. Yeah. Like a couple of the guys got pushed around in the heats, you know, like Ben's heat was not good and Luke's heat, not good either, but JC's heat, insane. Yeah. Awesome. And, but they're going to learn. And if you have that swagger, that swagger that some of these young guys had at world juniors, the yeah. swagger that they're bringing to the world cup, that this like, I love it. That there's like the American swagger. I mean, maybe it's the Canadian in me. That's like always looked up to that, but like, it's, uh, it's something to behold. And like, it's going to be super fun. It's gonna be super fun to cheer them on. Well, go for it, Sadie. Sorry, we keep we keep talking over you, Nat. You can't even get your wording. Come on. I, I was just going to say, I mean, if you looked in the deep in the Faster Skier archive for the number of stories that feature both American and Swagger in the same one, I think it's a fairly small number until, you know, 2018, 2019. So just that is an observation. Yeah, my impression with those young men is that they are, they're not afraid to show that they care. They're not afraid to, like, have weakness. Um, I feel like that a a lot of what they bring reminds me of the younger generation that came in, like, you know, Jesse, Keegan, um, Holly, it kind of reminds me of the same, the same setting where it's like, I'm not afraid to say that I want to win. And the next person says the same thing, like they all want to win and they're not threatened by each other. And I think that's like in sport and in a team atmosphere, that's, that's really hard to get, to get that feeling going. Um, and I also wanted to point out like the young, the young American men right now are like creating a lot of excitement, but what goes along with it is actually the Canadian young men. And like, we're going to get there. I love the like cooperation between Canada and us because like, we're the ones traveling across the ocean, living out of a suitcase for five months straight. And like, it's not always fun. It's kind of crappy. And I love when it's like kind of grouped together. And I had to recall back to like world juniors when those American boys won um, the, the relay, the Canadians were second. Right. So like these young guys have actually, they maybe already started cooperation. I hope, but it's super cool. Like I, I, I'm skipping forward a little bit to like the pursuit race, but I noticed that the young Canadian um, Antoine and Gus like yeah. finished within like a second of each other. So here we are already like kind of forming one team. And I, I really hope they both kind of keep the level raising. Cause it's uh, like, why not make like one big cooperation, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I think, but you said, you said you, you hit it in the nail. It was just so cool. Like it, that was in, that was, so the U S won the world junior relay. Then they, then they repeated the yeah. world junior relay. And when they repeated Canada was second in that relay, like you said, yeah. and it is just, it is just like incredibly, incredibly fun. And I, I, you know, we're, cause we're going to get there, but like Antoine Sierra, Tony, um, out of Quebec, he finished 32nd in the heats and man, was he pissed about that? Cause he came back with a vengeance for the next couple races we're going to get into, but like Logan Hanneman, great race too, you know, in 33, just outside. 
and Rossi, my boy Rossi, Rossi Kennedy. I love Rossi. He's good. He's always good times. And him in classic to be a couple tenths of a second from qualifying is so promising. So it was, it was a great day all around, like for, for the qualification. We're going to take a little break here. This episode of the Devin Kershaw show is brought to you by the Mount Bachelor Nordic Center, www.mtbachelor.com. In the heats, like we said, so fun to see JC up there in the semis. Awesome stuff. And the big, the, <laughs> just when you thought that skiing couldn't progress anymore, what Terentiev did to Klebo <laughs> and Valnes, he, un- <laughs> he undressed them. Like, can, we little, like can, can we get a little like recap of what happened there in that final yeah beat? okay so we get to the final first of all i don't think we can like jc like couple swedes he took down a couple swedes maybe maybe not it was a race incident i'll give it to him it was a, it was a race incident but anyways kid finishes seventh amazing stuff um but he was a little off the like the final was not going to happen regardless so but that was the highlight for the north americans which is a fantastic result. And we're all looking forward to Leila Hummer this weekend, but in the final itself, Claybo hasn't lost a classic sprint in like over four years and yeah, on the world cup and Terentia. So to line it up, Claybo was fourth in the semifinal and had to get in on lucky loser, which was like, I was watching that like just shaking my head. Like what is going on? This is crazy. But yeah. then in the final, you know, you, you go to the stadium, it's flat, then you tuck then you come out and then it's like a kind of a gradual hill, a working section, maybe 20 seconds. Then you go around a hairpin and then it's like you tuck down and then it's the wall and the, and the double pole to the finish and Claybo, they were like dicking around as they do. And, and next thing you know, yeah, of course, yeah. No one wants to lead down that hill because it is a stupid move to lead down that hill. Usually Claybo surprised me with an amazing tactical move. Catching, catching them sleeping, got the gap he needed. 99 times out of 100, that's, that's, it's game over. He looked great up the hill. Claybo looked awesome. Everything was like nothing. There was nothing negative to say except for Terentiev ate up. Well, that, that was expected. I expected that Volnes and Terentiev to come back on Claybo a little bit because it's not enough. You, you, you didn't have enough of a gap to just go it alone. But uh, Terentiev absolutely undressed Volnes and Klebo up that hill and over the top. And I've never seen that in my life, ever. He, he totally out-Kleboed Klebo on the yeah. final climb. Yeah. Yeah, it was Klebo 2.0 on the climb. Like the Klebo running, he, he out-Kleboed Klebo, like you said. It was crazy. And, and that would, like, that's the ball game. And... 22 years old, first time in the World Cup podium, opens his account with a win and with a statement, like what a statement. Crazy. The, uh, the only person who could give him a run for his money is Lynn Spahn. Opening yeah. Podium. Yeah. He's yeah. Got- I mean, if I'm Clybo and like the entire country of Norway, I'm like pretty anxious after watching that. Yeah, I'm curious, how's Norway feeling after this weekend? um it's pretty it's pretty interesting it's a mixed bag for sure i mean the men under delivered not 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 like claybo and Balness were second and third in the world cup so let's not uh let's not freak out but uh, although we're not used to seeing claybo ever lose especially in uh 
That's I said it was the last time he lost in four years. That was a lie because Bolshinov beat him that one year, three years yeah. ago. When he and looked the other way, it was three years ago. And <laughs> yeah, and Kusumo. So it's it's his white whale, man. Like Kusumo, just he can't catch. He can't. He's, he's Ahab, and Moby Dick just keeps elusive. <laughs> not gonna happen. But no. But we'll move, we'll move right on to the distance race. So the 15k classic, like uh it's an event that's been dominated by Norway. like norway is in the gold but it's crazy to say that i actually kind of like find it shot like i have a hard time even saying this but because like norway's golden age seems like it's gone on since like i don't know 1952 or something like that it seems like that the, with cross-country skiing men's cross-country skiing the golden age is always um but last the last couple of years the last two years let's say or two two and a half years in distance it's just been kind of like a mockery it's been boring. Norway and Russia is way better than everybody else. And Norway has just crushed everybody except Bolshinov. <laughs> and, and it's, it, and why wouldn't like, I'd nothing to, nothing I've seen. I wouldn't, nothing I've talked to anybody would, would think that they come into this year any, anywhere else. And instead they flopped in like their event, like 15 K classic is the Norwegians men's jam. And they didn't just get outclassed; like they got they got crushed, really. And looking at the results sheet, and it's like a wall of the white, blue, and red of the Russian flag here. All yeah, yeah. It almost makes you miss that Canadian flag because all you see is a Russian wall. (laughs) Second, third, fifth, sixth, eighth. Yeah, they were beasts. The Russians were beasts this whole weekend. And in the classic race, some great racing. I mean, before we get all into this, though, even this, I mean, come on. Like, How does he keep doing it every time there? I, it is yeah. just, it's yeah. impressive. <laughs> it's so impressive. And he looks so good. You know, he was great in Muno. He's been great in these pre-races. Everything I've heard and people I've talked with said that, like, his training's been awesome. Yeah. The way he skis, the way he diagonal strides, it's like, really reminds me of uh, Johan Olsen, actually. They kind of have the same like staccato, the same rhythm. And it worked really well for Johan Olsen when he was in shape. The difference is, is Johan Olsen didn't have the double pole that Niskanen has. So Niskanen really is like the complete package. I mean, he's a beautiful classic skier. If, if you want to have someone to emulate them, I mean, she's like Evo is amazing when he's amazing. And I mean, winning, like you said, winning at home and the way he did it, he won by eight seconds, which is like, I know some people say, well, that's actually kind of tight, but it's always tight in Kusumo. It's actually mm-hmm. like quite a beat down, honestly. So amazing stuff for Evo. And then yeah, Trevatkin, like who maybe you might think he's a kind of like a nameless Russian. Cause it's like Ustigov, Bolshinov. And then just like, there's like 8,000 good Russians with like all these other names. You never, you can't follow There's too many, but like, but Trevatkin is, you know, he's, he's been, he's been good the last couple of years. And I was actually pretty surprised to see him in second in the, in a class race. That was surprising. Bolshinov struggled with them. Um, he's been struggling with teeth problems. Um, with his gums and stuff. So he's had a lot of like operations, like he, he had an infection and then he had to get it, get it operated. And then that didn't work. And then he, he got reinfected and they had to get that operated again. So there was a bit of um, uncertainty around his, around his form. And third is a pretty damn good place to be. If you're uncertain about your form, I'd say Valness, awesome, awesome race for Valness and Ustigov in fifth. And we're going to get to this because Sadie's a, uh, an expert in the team sprint, but like, Quite frankly, I don't really like the team sprint, but here, here's the thing. At a championship, I want to see Bolshinov and Ustigov in top form, like at their best versus Norway. Because yeah. that's a race. That, for the Olympic gold, that's going to be sick. 
So yeah. is now an appropriate time for me to ask the journalistically skeptical, like, doping question? Like, I mean, just like any time, I mean, I, it's a little bit fast forwards to yesterday when it was just like you were watching, like, Russian team training workout with five dudes all in red at the front. But, like, um, also was reading, I think, um, did, did is Torrentev also coached by that sketchy guy? Uh, no. no. Okay. So, like, what's the general kind of tenor of, like, are people looking at Russians right now and being like, yeah, this is kind of same old, same old, or is this, like, new Russia and everyone's like, cool, we're, we're, this, this seems clean and fine, or, like, what's what are you guys hearing? Well, oh. should I give the naive uh, impression before Devin gives the real impression? No, I'll give the naive impression, too, on this one, actually. So okay. <laughs> you start. Well, I... The fact that um, Antoine was in the mix is my hope that things are, well, Norway didn't even start the last day. So we can really use the the Russian training group as like too much of an impression. But I think Antoine, like he held down for it for me keeping belief. So that's my impression. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're going to get to Tony because that was just a beastly race in 11th. Like we'll talk about a breakthrough. Like JC's race was a breakthrough to be seventh, but this was a real breakthrough as well. Um, with the doping situation, like we're saying, it's like, to be perfectly honest, the guys that you're seeing up there and how they're skiing, they're fit. They're skiing technically. Well, these are new, like they're new names, but it's not like you can't say that Ustigov comes to these, sorry. You can't say that Bolshinov comes to these races. And it's like, where'd that come from? I mean, or even Shavatkin, even though he's like kind of like a nameless Russian, because there's just so many of them that are good now. But the fact of the matter is like Bolshinov is one of the best classic skiers in the world. No question. Or the best him and Niskanen really are. They're beautiful classic skiers. Bolshinov has a style that's different than Niskanen's and he's going to ski longer and he's going to ski more that Russian power glide kind of, style but the fact of the matter is like Bolshinov was the best skier in the world last year he was the best distance skier in the world the year before that uh it's not surprising that he comes to the table every single weekend and is good and Ustigov we all know Sadie we've raced with Ustigov forever like when he's in shape like the guy's good and he trains he trains in the Kramer group Ustigov trains in the Kramer group the crazy thing about Russia is there's just all these training groups like there's so many different training groups competing against one another it's like there's like five teams which in doesn't one like bode well for like you know central supervision of people not no. putting foreign substances into their bodies but no, no nonetheless no but no but I mean you could use the same thing like I mean you're not using the same thing but like the U.S. has training groups scattered all over a continent as well and Canada as well you know so the thing that I keep saying is like, I want to believe too. Like Sadie said, I see these results. I, I, you know, Niskanen's a beautiful classic skier. He wins. Bolshinov's a beautiful classic skier. He's had some trouble, but he's by far the best distance skier in the world the last couple of years. And he's third. Um, Ustigov is, is back with, which the guy's a world champion multiple times in 2017. The guy, he's good. And, and there's, there's no, nothing really here that like jumps out at me as like really, really sketchy you know i think it's easy like it's easy for our first thought to go there and i would like i would argue that every single person has their first thought go there because it's we know yeah. we know that we know of you know all the crap that's happened and we see something and but like i think i have really trained my second thought to go like hold on, wait a minute, let me look deeper into this. And there's always like hope. So we're going to just keep living our naive world 
maybe it's not naive, but like, just keep on believing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the thing is you have to, like, I know, I know it's annoying because we have been burned like a ton before yeah. and like, but like, we can't be in sport if you're not innocent till proven guilty. Like, what are we doing here? Like, then it's just a dep- like the world depressing enough. Like yeah. um, that said, that said, I do wish, and this is what I've been consistent on all along is like Borodovko. Should he be coaching in the Russian system? I say no, as a just, I'm not a journalist. I'm not a person. I, I'm not as a, like a, involved at all, but at the same time, should we give people second chances after they've been reformed? Yeah, they should. So the fact of the matter is he served, he served time away from the Russian team. He's back in, whether you like that or not, that's, we have to leave that aside, but that's the one I don't like seeing staff that have been involved in like half a dozen positive doping cases Mm -hmm. back around people that are winning. But that said, when he was involved in that, that was like back in 2007, 2008. That's a long time ago now too. Mm-hmm. So, but the athletes themselves, I have nothing. I mean, what can you say? Like when you watch Bolshinov classic ski, <laughs> what do you say? It's beautiful. He's a, he's a beautiful skier. So, and now we're going to, now we're going to spend time on Tony though. 11 in the world cup, 52 seconds only from the win. He had like, a couple top thirties ever in his career. And that was last year, right at the end of the season at altitude and kind of like, I'm not going to say weird races, but the Engadine 15 K like, like the Engadine mass start was like, yeah, everyone's coming from sea level from the championship up to like crazy high altitude. There's like a lot of wild cards, but Hey, your top 20 was a great race, Tony. Like it was, I'm not saying I'm not trying to put an asterisk against that, but 11th in a race of truth, individual start classic. This is incredible. Rusty's in the top 30 in classic. Incredible. Olivier in 30th place. He's a first year senior. Do you want to how you want to know how many races he did last year? Just world juniors, dude. And <laughs> love it. And Zadie. Just he he raced no races last year except for the races he did at World Juniors. Think about this. He didn't have a race season last year. How did he make the team? He he was third at World Juniors last year. That's how he made the team. So he, he never world junior team because he was good the year before he was on the oh, okay yeah, yeah. so nice. they picked they picked they picked from like they picked from the years because there was no races everything was locked right down so they just used all the results and he was on the relay team that won the silver medal that you what? spoke of. but the guy we're going to come back to him in the pursuit but the fact of the matter is the guy was 30th in his first distance race ever in a 15k classic and he's not that far out guys like He's yeah. 140 down. It's crazy. That's so crazy. Louis Bouchard and CNEPH, like you got to tip your hat to the program. Alex's uh, Altimeter, um, you know, a little bit like APU, like they're, they're doing good stuff. And they, these are two guys that they brought out from the COVID haze that have just blown the door. I'm shocked. It's awesome. So talk, oh. just talk to us a little bit more about these dudes. Uh, a- Anton, Tony, Seer, who's yeah. he's 23 and then Olivier is like 20, 21. And, and like, they're they're, 20. are they both, they're, they're clearly both Quebecois, um, Francais yeah. speakers. Like what else do we know about these dudes? Anything? Yeah. Else? Well, well, Olivier, Olivier is like, he was third in the 10 K skate last year at world juniors, which 
let me run down the list of Canadian men that have won individual world junior gold, the world junior medals, Alex Harvey. Okay. That's the list. Like in the, whatever year, like decades and decades of history, the list is Alex Harvey done. That's it. So that Olivier was able to do that to come second, third last year, sorry, at the world junior 10 K crazy impressive. The fact that he did it with no racing beforehand, nothing is just like mind boggling. Yeah. So He's a great little dude. I, I really like him. We've worked together at World Juniors a couple of times uh, when I've been there, just like being helping out. And, uh, you know, he's, he's a little bit like what Sadie was saying. He, these guys have that fire too, you know. They want it. And it's cool to see. And, you know, Sadie knows that because we were obnoxious. She had to put up with our, like, just like shenanigans for 15 years or whatever, 10 years. or like, But, like, they have fun together. And, and like Sadie said, with the women's team, like Alex and I, Lenny, Babsy, like yeah. Jess, G kill, like we had fun, George, like we had a good time, but we wanted it. We all burned for this mm-hmm. and we really, really wanted it, but we were cool. Like Alex wanted to win. Alex knew I wanted to win. Like everybody wants to win. Mm-hmm. And it was just a great environment. I think it's just so cool to see that these young guys are, are kind of like, creating an environment like that in Canada and the U S I mean, God, the U S is, is uh, in a good place right now for the men, but that was fun. So I thought the 15 K classic was just the men's race was actually kind of fun to watch in that case. And I kind of think it's fun that the Norwegians don't go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They yeah. can't, they don't have seven starts. They only have six, but they, you know, like it was fun not to see six Norwegians in the top eight. Yeah. Cause you know, we're going to get that later in the season. Oh. I mean, that's going to happen now. Yeah. But- it's going to happen in Lillehammer, but, but it's nice that it can happen yeah yeah um Devin before we move on is do you know if Alex is involved with those like does he train with them at all or does he jump in with them or is he busy doing his dude big news with Alex he's building a new house oh yeah and I'm inviting all of us to go there when it's done because it looks really sweet I've seen the pictures it's gonna have a swimming pool we gotta go (laughs) is it gonna be will that be will that be on the record or off the record yeah it's on the record we're going we're all coming. Um, no, but so Alex, Alex is, uh, you know, he's a lawyer now. So he passed the bar exam Yeah, he's, and he's working full time as a corporate lawyer. So he actually has like, he has actually a lot on his plate. Yeah. Um, so of course, like uh, he knows Tony really, really well. So I'd say like, he's been a huge mentor for Tony Yeah. because Tony's trained out of Mount and he's from the Ottawa area. They're all going to get pissed. It's like, God, no, it's like, yes, he's from Gatineau on the other side of the river. <laughs> And, um, and so, and so Alex, uh, but Alex is like, I would, Tony would for sure say, uh, that Alex has been in uh, not just like a role model, but also like a mentor to him, but Olivier is quite a bit younger. So they know each other, but uh, I don't think Alex had a whole lot to do with uh, well, we Olivier. Count on Alex doing somersaults in his pool, jumping up yeah. and down. So stoked. That's yes. so those, yeah, those exactly. Of his home zone are yeah in his footsteps yeah exactly it's like it's same same deal with like schoonmaker and ogden and these guys i mean they're these dudes are like 20 and 22 23 like you know it's just like races like these like uh tony in 11th like are we like it's like the potential to get like these guys to have 10 years of good like canadian i hope so that's pretty rad oh dude and here's the thing because i gotta give a big shout out because i'm a like i'm a homer what can i say You, you all know i'm a homer but like Xavier McKeever in Galavari in the Swedish openers, he was over there and we didn't cover those because it was just too much on our plates, but like he won the junior category for the Swedish openers 
all three days in a row. He hasn't raced last year either. And he's got two years of junior left. And then we have Tom Steven out of Calgary, Camor. He lives in Camor now, who's a year younger than Olivier. And they're the same speed. Like Olivier and Tom are the same, like in everything. Like, and Tom, you know, for world juniors this year, like the goal is to, you know, win or medal at world juniors. And like, that's realistic. That's not like, I'm not taking crazy pills saying that. <laughs> so it's, it's fun. There's a lot, it's, it's like a, it's a fun there's moment. Depth, there's depth as well, which I think is an important when you yeah. just have one person, they race, I don't, I don't know. It can be tough, but when it like mixes up, that's when I feel like you, you get the snowball rolling. <laughs> totally success builds success. I agree. So, and the big news, this is Sadie, you're just going to have to talk this whole thing. 10K Classic, Ruka, Finland, that's what Sadie was all about. And what a barn burner. Sadie, you got to, what happened? What, there was something big to happen. Uh, well, Therese got beat. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, anybody who's watched Frida ski, or maybe I'm in this, this pool alone, but I just find her gliding just beautiful. And I think that she, she's a great skier. And, um, you know, I think Ruka, the Ruka course is just a, a testament to be, you need to be a good skier because there's so many awkwardly steep hills. Like if you, if you can't herringbone well, you can't race well in Ruka. If you can't double pull well, you can't race well in Ruka because little do you know, there's actually a monster double pull section in between these walls. It's like Ruka, you never get to rest. And so I think just uh, Frida's ability to ski really well, just played to her to her suit there and then um the young german girl amazing too like we love in ski racing we love to see germans doing well because let's be honest that's where a lot of the sponsors come for for to keep world cup alive so um that's always good to see and of course rosie i mean i i am like i know rosie i've watched her train all year she's like over here racing against the boys like passing the boys. So I know she's going to do well. And like, she's just going to build throughout the season too. Cause once you start racing at the top, it like, it takes a minute to believe that you belong there. And yes, she did well last year, but as we talked about, it was like kind of a, a strange year, not everybody there all the time. And so I think Rosie's like, as soon as she realized she's, she's a contender, she'll, she'll be a contender every weekend. So, um, yeah, that's my two cents on the weekend or on oh. the race <laughs> it was so fun like uh, i thought it was just yeah like you just said like rosie was so fun to see and like the names that are around rosie like these are the heavy hitters of skiing like these are like the legends of of, of skiing and but but before we go to that six and a half years the last time to, and this is now i'm not messing around this is for reals today's the last time she lost a 10k classic six and a half years ago yes there was an 18 month ban in there but regardless six and a half years is the last time she lost a 10k classic and Frida didn't just beat her in the last 2k the last 2k of Frida's race was something to behold it was crazy yeah and Henning and Henning is less than two seconds from Teresa in Ruka like speaking of crazy pills like so is this like a not I mean I'm curious how much you guys and Devin maybe you have some special Norwegian intel um but like how much of this was um Therese having a bad day versus like the field finally catching up like what's your sense of that it's she had a bad day like she did like not bad not bad sorry that that's unfair to her competition but she had she had a middles day at best and she said it herself and coming into the race she was carrying fatigue 
she's had like some periods here in the, but she's pressing hard. She, you know, the, the motivation for her, to, she's never won an individual gold medal at the Olympics. This is huge motivation. Yeah. So when you think about all this stuff, like Teresa, cause that's the thing is the same with Marit. Like I joke around with Marit, like, how, how do you, like, how are you motivated? Like you've won everything. Like, how do you get out of bed in the morning and just crush? Like, but this is a huge motivator for Tedeza and she knows where the Olympics are. They're in Beijing. It's, this is her shot. Like this mm-hmm. is her shot to win gold. It's at 1800 meters. Tedeza's like all eyes on that. And she's pressed hard. She really, and she always presses hard, but this year, especially, and you know, I wasn't, I, yeah, I was shocked. She lost 10 K classic, but, um, in hindsight, when you look at it and that's the beauty of Monday morning quarterbacking, right? Like, um, but, uh, but you start, you start thinking it's like, ah, that's, uh, and the fire it lit under was, we'll get to that, but, uh, she's a killer man. Teresa Yohag, like she wants to win. Doesn't matter how many times she wins. She wants it bad. Yeah. I recall, like I was sitting next to her in the Swedish tour. Um, and she had just gotten beat by Frida. Well, or no, maybe it was, she had recently gotten beat by Frida and I asked her like, is that, is that challenging for you when you don't win? And she was like, yeah, it, it is really hard because, and it's particularly hard because everyone thinks I had a terrible day as we just literally just said, because when you're the winner and you're expected to win all the time, like imagine the pressure, like we love when she gets beat because it's so much more fun for us. But I think that would be really tough. Like that makes somebody so impressive like double impressive when they're just winners when you know they win all the time because heck oh, like, totally I'd, I'd go off the deep end like the one time I didn't win you know and she didn't she turns around the next day and she's like yeah you want a piece of me yeah oh yeah <laughs> it's like I don't know it's kind of crazy I love when she gets beat I will say but I have <laughs> a, little, a little part of my heart feels for her <laughs> I can't say that because I can't say that because she's one of my wife's best friends but like um the fact of the matter is for the sport, it's quite the storyline. It's quite the storyline. And, and um, yeah, I, I just, all the names in the women's race. I love, it. I mean, like Frida, Teresa, Henning, Ebba Anderson in fourth, like she's a huge star for Sweden. Parmakowski in fifth, like you have Kirtu back. That was fun to see Kirtu back in the top 10, yeah. seven. That was nice. Good to see her. Serena was a big story last year, back in the top 10. She's not on the podium. Like she was, or she was fourth last year, but uh you know, eighth now, like this is good storylines on the women's side. It's going to be fun to follow. It's just nice to have a reason to like be excited to watch those races beyond like, you know, uh, um, yo winning by a minute, you know, that'll well, come though. Yeah. <laughs> I find it really entertaining. Like I told you guys, I watched the race on double, double speed and I would encourage people to do that because it's really funny. Like the technique differences really <laughs> come out when you do that like just among everybody like you can see like where they wobble or whatever you you wouldn't see it in real time but um i i encourage everyone to go back and watch uh frida and trey skiing beside each other at double speed it's fascinating and i do think it will provide for an entertaining fight through most of the season because they ski really different like one is one has super high tempo and one's gliding a lot and like they they're moving close to similar speeds. I, I was so I actually um, I had the same observation yesterday um, when they were skiing, you know, together. And this is the last race, but still, like you know, with with Yohog, I think skiing behind um, behind Frida, and like I counted, I was like, how how many you know how many how, how many strokes does it take for like uh, Yohog to do an extra? And it was like she's doing one extra 
um, V2 for every six or seven strokes that Frida's taking. So we're talking like 15% higher turnover to basically go the exact same speed. Um, yeah. And, I, you know, I mean, how much of that is like style versus like Yohog is probably 15% shorter than Frida Carlson. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I totally, I mean, it's so it's cool, like, you know, make people making it work for them um, yeah. in very different ways. No, I agree. I'll tell you some people who made it work. We didn't talk about this, but Ruka was bitching cold uh, this weekend. And right down. Perfect segue for going into the last. Yeah, exactly. Because we love having Sadie, but Sadie probably has to go back to work and stuff. And um, if I come across some sort of like genetic disease in 10 years from now, I'm not going to know because I was having too much fun talking about skiing <laughs> instead of, <laughs> instead of studying that. But, but it was, it was crazy cold in Nuka. So even on the classic day, it was cold. It was like, it was down, not, not right at the minus 20 limit, but it was between minus 15 and, and minus 20. Uh, Alaska for, for all temperatures. Yeah, it was just like it was like a normal day in Alaska in November. Yeah, exactly. A warm day. <laughs> yeah, warm day in Alaska. Yeah, I heard. I saw. I think you said. I think you had a tweet or a gram post or something that that you. It was like, or no, maybe it was key. I think it was Keek Animal that said it was like minus fourteen degrees Fahrenheit the other day up there. Yeah, it was, that minus, it was minus twelve uh, Fahrenheit at the cabin I was at yesterday morning. That's just bonkers. That's bonkers cold. So it wasn't that cold in Ruka, but it was cold and. Um, yeah, big, big. The big story was like the men. They delayed the women's race. So first, the women's supposed to go the first. Dress, then they like, moved more it. in like raced in downhill scheming than it looked like. Did you guys yeah. see those? Yeah, it's hilarious. Um, but the men's team coach and the men's team doctor uh, recommended for the Norwegian men that like it's it's too cold. Like, and there's a lot of respiratory tract infections in Scandinavia right now. RS virus, COVID is a concern. Um, and you've raced a couple races, some of these guys, or raced one race the day before when it was cold and they just didn't feel comfortable racing at minus 18 in the stadium. And Sadie knows it's minus 18 in the stadium, but in that hole, like, you know, like, and you're screaming down that hill, like, you, you know, like up in the half pipe there, like at one point, let's say like 1.8 K like screaming back down towards the sprint hill. Like that's cold. Yeah. Um, so, but the, regardless, the Norwegian men's team pulled out. Ivo Niskanen pulled out as well. Really? Uh, and he's been good in skating. He won. We talked about that, Matt, like uh, in Munio and stuff. Like, it's not like he's a bad skater anymore. He's good. He was going to go out first in the pursuit, but he pulled out. This is an Olympic year. Respiratory tract infections are not to be screwed with. And Wait, it's so the medical. I got to ask is, is like, does racing in the cold actually make you, it's not just like you do damage to your lungs that like is going to hurt them, but like actually is that documented, like makes you more susceptible to infection. No, I think, I think what the biggest thing is, is like, so you aggravate your bronchi. That's just the facts. Cold air is going to aggravate your bronchi, like your, your respiratory tract. That's, that's just what happens. But then you're going to have an aggravated respiratory tract and then you're going to sit on a plane to get to Norway. How's that going to go? Cause you're not going to be sitting on the plane all chill. You're going to be coughing. You're going to be like, like not, it's not going to be a good scene. Then you're going to go through the airport. Like, so it's just like in a kind of, it's an Olympic season. The Olympics are in Beijing. The Norwegians have nothing to prove. Like, I know they get a lot of criticism for like, you guys are wusses for not starting. And like, yeah, I would have rather they started because it's been a lot more fun to watch. But at the same time, it's like, 
let's just support people making the calls they make. I thought it was a bit weird because minus 18 for everybody, everybody I talked with the Canadians who everybody, <laughs> um, they're like, it was, it was minus 18. It wasn't, it wasn't minus like 19.7. But at the same time, at the same time, like I said this a lot last year too, and I mean it, like COVID's a joker, all this stuff, like you just like, I don't know. So you sit out one weekend, whatever. In 10 years, no one's going to look back and be like, yep, uh, it was Travatkin that won that race in Ruka um, versus like Olympics. But okay, so here's a, I'm curious um, for your guys take on this though. So um, just cause I, you know, um, I'm a reporter. I love asking sensitive questions. Like I, you know, I emailed the U S team about this and was just like, you know, curious to hear a little more about what you guys were thinking. And, um, <clears throat> her back from Matt Whitcomb, one of the coaches this morning. And he said, you know, they had conversations about it. Um, and, and, um, their take on it was like, this was an individual decision. Whitcomb said he had some individual conversations with some of the athletes with more sensitive airways, um, clearly, you know, it didn't seem like any or many of them decided to sit it out. I mean, I'm curious, I like from a, from the perspective of someone who's kind of watching kind of like institutions and things like that. I mean, I can imagine it's much easier if you're an athlete, if your team and your whole team like pulls you out, right. Cause you've got all this stuff with qualification criteria, um, totally. you know, sponsors, whatever, um, versus like if I'm an athlete with a sensitive airway, but this is one of my shots to, to, to yeah. make the Olympics. I mean, the flip side is like, you know, um, it, it, you're over there to race, you want to race. It's not right at the limit. So it seems defensible, but just curious to hear a little more about like, you know, what is, what do you guys think is the right call here? Um, whether you're U S or Norway. I, I think it's always individual. I think it's always an individual decision. Because like you said, that is the, that is the, the sweet thing for some of these guys. Like Claybo, you know, he's going to be in the Olympics. You know, Holland's going to be in the Olympics, no matter what, pretty much. But like Paul, well, Valnes is going to be in the Olympics for the sprint. But like um, Paul, I guess, is the only one because Kruger was not going to race anyway because he stunk up the joint in the classic race. But um, the fact of the matter is, it's like, yeah, it's got to be an individual decision. I agree with you. I mean, that's what's so hard when it's so cold. When you when the coaches go to the the people that maybe struggle with exercise induced asthma or or whatever, and like, it's like ah, uh, it's minus eighteen. I like we don't know. Like, it's a bit sketchy. How do you feel? And they're like, I need to do this race or like my championship dreams are over or could be over. Like, it's not true. But as an athlete, you're thinking like that that's just a tough place to be. And then the Russians too, like the Russians are like, it's not even that cold, Like we raced like whatever, but they're also like Norway, like Maltsev, that third place Maltsev had coming up from 14th. That helps is that helps big time to make a championship. And Maltsev is not a name. That's like a shoe in to make the championship. You know what I mean? So it, he is, I know he's really good, but you, you know, is it, that's a, that's a career result that he did and that's going to help his, his cause. And, People take risks like that. It's tough. It's a tough decision. What do you think, Sadie? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree with you guys. I am just like totally um, curious what inspired Heidi and Therese to race while no, none of the other Norwegian women did. And I heard Therese say that she was rooming with Heidi this weekend. So maybe they just like had a bond in their, in their house. It was like, okay, we're going for it. But like, you know, they're of course going to make it. So what encouraged them to do it? to fall through with it. I would love and to. And I know. love that. And I love that, that they did that. And like, you know, Teresa well, yeah. and I know yeah. Teresa really well. And like, 
over hell or high, if you want to know what a champion like is made of. Yeah. She got beat by 13 seconds in a 10k classic. Yeah, she's gonna it, come back. It's the it's the legal limit. She's from Dalsbig though, which is bitching cold in the winter. Yeah. And she's like, it's minus 18. No one's telling me, no one's gonna take me out of this. Yeah. Like I'm a racehorse and racehorses are here to race. Yeah. And the women's team doctor also said like on the fault, like, or so that's uh, like recommended that, you know, like, you know, it's probably a good idea to sit this out. It's too cold. And Therese is like, I'm racing. It's two degrees to the limit. Like this is not a discussion. Yeah. And I was actually, and that was not surprising to me because Teresa is like, yeah, she's an inspiration. You know, what can you say? Like, she's just all fire, you know? and passion and like she wants it bad even though she's won like a thousand races she just wants it so bad but Heidi, i was really impressed with heidi well you she know, heidi, also had that fire you just, i know you just point heidi in a direction and she goes like she doesn't really know what she's doing you just put her there oh, yeah. she, like <laughs> yeah so yeah for sure she was rooming with therese probably that's what i happened. think so okay. i think so yeah okay <laughs> that's like what are you doing Therese? it's like i'm putting on my race suit i'm gonna walk over to the race start it's like okay sure <laughs> I, I so, saw um I saw like a social media post of Teresa like where she had like kinesio tape like on each finger all over her face she's wearing these like downhill skiing mittens like just like yeah. completely absurd. Yeah. Oh yeah, but she but she dude like she she'd wear anything to get out there and crush Frida because she was just waiting for that last lap. Yeah. To go up that wall for the last lap to go like, peace, <laughs> I'm out. Like hey Frida, congratulations on yesterday. Now I'm gonna drop your ass, and that's what she did. It was imp- it was amazing. Yeah, that was an impressive hunt. I mean, it's not easy hunting when you know you want it. Like you have to make your decision of how you're gonna do what you want, and she did a good job with that. I was impressed. Well, yeah, cl- clock's ticking. I mean, any other big takeaways from from yeah. that those pursuits? We're, we're gonna take we're gonna take for the last day, and then we'll just wrap it up because this is long enough. But like. I hate the time of the day of the pursuit. I do not care what your time of the day is. Cause when you watch the race, you see the last lap, the Russians are just like standing there at the top of the hill. No one wants to go down the hill first. They're losing tons of time. Yeah, exactly. Like no one wants to do anything, but, but Olivier had the sixth fastest time of the day. Gus had the fifth fastest time of the day. So we're giving it to them. So I'm giving it to them. That was a, that was a hell of a performance. They moved up a ton of positions. Yeah. Gus, for sure would have been disappointed with his classic performances, but he showed, even though he's a second year senior, that his skating has not like he was top 10 individual start skate skate race last year on the world cup for first year senior, which it's not Alex Harvey winning a medal on the 50 K in the world cup as a first year senior, but it's pretty damn good. And after a tough outing in the classic for Gus to have a skate race like that, impressive Olivier moved up a ton of spots, 17th. The kid was 17th as a first year senior in the pursuit, which is awesome. Tony held his own in 12th. Rossi's right in there in 21st. So the North Americans did a, did a good job. And uh, I just wanted to give one little shout out there. Yeah, it'll be, I mean, I'm so stoked to start a season with, with North Americans playing in the house. Cause I mean, that's why we're waking up. We're not waking up to watch Norway and Russia. Come on. <laughs> no, no. Well, I am. Cause I have two young kids. So I'm always awake. I don't sleep anymore, but, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh i love it sadie thanks so much we're gonna have to we're gonna have to have you back on this uh whatever this is this conversation again we're gonna have to we're gonna have to have you back 
Well, it, yeah, it's fun to join you guys. Nice to see you. Nice yeah, I really good. nice to see you too. I feel like I have, I actually had, we have, we have like a couple minutes and I had like one other, at least one other really quick question, which is, um, Devin, what is going on with, um, Helen Foss's home? Like, uh, which she's not yeah. there. She's like on the continental cup. Cause like they, she pissed yeah. off the Norwegian coaches or like, what's up? <laughs> Yeah. Okay, we can we can run we can run through this and, quickly. And then we got to so, do we you got four minutes for Fossilsholm and half of our sin because like that's hilarious. Okay, too. the Swedish men are a tragedy and a disgrace. Get your shit together. You're better than this. We <laughs> talked about this last year, and Bergman did get better. Berman, sorry, Jens Berman got better. My boy Portima is going to be back. He'll be good. Don't worry. But like, still, this was a this was a raunchy distance outing for the Swedish men. Halverson looks like he's washed up. Foss is home. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong, Cali. But like this, we can all admit it was a tough, it was a tough weekend to watch Cali. He didn't, he did not, he was not skiing well. Um, but he was skiing better here than he was in Galavar the week before. So he's trending up. But Foss is home also played with fire all training season and she's been really tired. And in the fall, it caught up with her. She was looking really good in June, looking really good in July. The wheels started falling off a little bit in August and then they just fell off. And then it was a lot, as Sadie knows, we've all been there. You press a little too hard and you have like 10 days of good training and then you have to like back it right off for two weeks. And, you know, she was skipping camps out because she was just too tired and it just wasn't happening for her. And she made a decision that she was not feeling it. To, she wasn't going to be ready for bite stolen, but then she wanted to start in uh, the world cup. But uh, yeah, she's a world junior champ and, you know, she's had some great races as a senior, but in the Norwegian team, you got to earn it. Like if you're Teresa, you don't have to earn it. If you're Ingveld, you don't have to earn it and you shouldn't have to earn it. Ingveld's gone. We didn't even touch on that, but like Ingveld's been, Ingveld flustad osberg has been out for a couple of years um, because uh, of the health issues. Like she's been stopped by the Federation because of her bone density numbers haven't been up to snuff. And the the team gave her a start at the World Cup, which was great, but um, Foster's home's not going to get it. Didn't get that dispensation that like, you're not a legend yet. You want to make, you want to race in Ruka. That's fine. You race in by the stall and you qualify. And she didn't, and she's pissed about it. And she won the Norwegian cup in, uh, in Golo, like you said. And so she's primed and ready to go for a little Hummer. And it'll be fun to see that fire. Cause she's also very fiery a bit like Teresa. So it'll be fun to see what she can throw down. 